Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, I am your host today, Aaron Richards, and I am recording today from the illustrious, I don't think we say that enough, the illustrious Damascus Media Studio here at Damascus in Centerburg, Ohio, where I work as one of our executive directors. And we have an amazing guest with us today, Mr. Dominic Rivera. Dominic, hello and welcome to the show. Hi, Aaron. Thank you. I'm excited for today. Dominic's been a guest with us a couple times in the past, and today uh, we're just going to be exploring some awesome stuff, so stay tuned. Friends, as you know, uh, I work as an executive director here at Damascus. Damascus is an organization that um, serves primarily young people. We are a a, a young adult missionary movement uh, here in Centerburg, Ohio, and um, our our mission statement is to awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith through world-class programs and an environment of encounter. And I think those things walk hand in hand. You can't have programs without an encounter with Jesus. And I don't want to say you can't have encounter without programs. That'd be like the, the devil, right? Uh, but when we enter into a powerful relationship with Jesus, our, our natural human inclination is often to ask, Okay, now what can I how how can I do this well, right? What can I do about this? How can I bring other people to experience the same grace that I've experienced? Here at Damascus, we try to do both. Today I, I want to kick off the show by thanking um two of our biggest partners, St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, Ohio, and EWTN Radio. Beyond Damascus is a podcast show that is carried across uh St. Gabriel and the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So thanks to our radio partners. You guys are awesome. And if you're listening on Catholic Radio, you owe them a big thanks. Today, I thought we could kick off our show with prayer. Um, Dominic, you want to you pray for us this morning? Let's do it. Yeah! In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the Spirit of Jesus. Whoa. Yeah, Lord. That you lead us to everlasting life because you always revealed Jesus, Holy Spirit. And I pray that during the show you would inspire listeners with a deeper revelation and a deeper insight into who you are and the beautiful plan and journey that you have for our lives. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. May you receive glory today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, We're talking about that phrase hit me powerfully the holy spirit the spirit of jesus um we were i was i was i had the ple- the great pleasure of leading a session uh last night for a group of um students who's here on retreat this week for an event called our our catholic leadership conference and uh as as i was praying with the team about what the lord wanted to speak last night this word of equipping came forth. I'm looking at our wall right now in the Damascus Media Studio, and we have our, our, our tagline, our mission statement, like I just shared, is awaken, empower, and equip. And we went kind of a little study through Scripture. We were talking about, you know, that um, we are awakened to faith. Th- those three words come from the story of St. Paul, who on the road to Damascus, he experienced a profound awakening to faith in Jesus he then went into the city and was empowered through the prayer of the Christian community. Um, he was healed of his blindness practically, and 
also received just uh, prayer and welcome into a, in a, a, an amazing Christian community in, in the city, and then ultimately was equipped for the work of evangelization, right? St. Paul was not a Christian evangelist when he went into Damascus, but he left one. Um, and uh, I think some traditions would say that he was maybe there for three years um, studying and being equipped in the ways of Christian mission. And um, it, it's funny, those, those three words, you know, I, I posed to the group and I would pose to you listening here to today's show, uh, you know, it would feel a little strange, would it not, if I were to come on the air and say, um, friends, I, Aaron Richards, by my own strength and by my own intelligence, intend to awaken you to newness of life, Right? You'd probably think to yourself, uh, that guy's a little full of himself, if nothing else, right? What if, um, you know, like St. Paul, he was empowered by life in the Spirit, and he was healed of his blindness? What if I came into, uh, into a room, and I said, uh, by the power of the name of Aaron Richards, I command you blindness to be healed, right? You would think, oh my gosh, this, like, if there were ever a case to be made for modern-day crucifixion, this would be it, Right, um, that's blasphemy and, and maybe maybe worse things. But how often do we think to ourselves, um, "I have the wisdom, I have the knowledge, I have the capacity, I have the experience to be able to equip this person to live the Christian life." Right, mm-hmm. that I'm walking with this individual. Um, I've experienced this stuff before. Here at Damascus, we have an extensive program of formation and equipping for our missionaries. And, uh, you know, who are our teachers? Who are our formers? Um, they are the people who've walked this journey, who've been down this path for years. I mean, I get to count myself as one of them. Uh, and I think that we have this temptation, maybe not just in the church, maybe it's everywhere, to think that my experience uh, somehow earns me the right to be one who can equip others to do what is right. Now, I don't want to suggest that we don't have um, a, a an assignment, right? Our assignment, w- we see in Ephesians chapter four, verse seven, that we um, that uh, Jesus equips the holy ones for the work of building up the church, right? Our assignment is is to build up the church, but um, everything, awakening, empowering, and equipping, all of these are gratuitous gifts of grace from the Lord, right? And uh, I, it, the, I don't know. I'm just still pumped from last night's teaching. It was, it was pretty sweet, if I do say so myself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, where did, where did we go? Where was the ultimate landing point? It was looking at the most powerful moment of equipping in the history of the church, which I would suggest was Pentecost, right? You've got, um, a bunch of people who presumably have some degree of hope and probably some healthy degree of confusion. Uh, the guy that they gave up their life to follow, um, the guy that they thought was going to bring, some kind of military strategic victory to uh, Israel over their captors. Well, uh, the story didn't go quite the way they wanted. He died, and then uh, that was probably a sad day for them. 
three days later, pop back up from the grave. Uh, probably, I mean, I imagine that was encouraging. Um, but then what happened is 40 days later, they go out into a field. The disciples ask him um, earnestly, uh, faithfully, Lord, are you now at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, and I envision there's some, there's some other stuff buried in those words, right? My, as I was sharing last night, I bet they were in that field ready for like the chariots of fire to come down from heaven to, uh, to prepare the way. Um, and Jesus he delivers that statement. He says, uh, it's not for me to tell the time or the hour, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in that moment, they're probably like, oh my gosh, I thought it was going to be uh, St. Michael who was going to come down and do this for me, but it's me. I'm the one who's supposed to uh, lead this army. Okay, Jesus, let's do this thing. Let's carry this charge. And then poof, up into a cloud. And he's gone. And for 10 days, they sat there and, and waited faithfully. Not there. They went back to Jerusalem and they waited faithfully, not knowing what it was going to look like, not knowing what was going to happen. And then that day at Pentecost, they're gathered in the upper room. These people who were timid, um, afraid, they weren't necessarily the most eloquent preachers in the world, right? Remember our experience of seeing them preach and speak publicly in the Gospels was pretty miserable. Um, most recently, Peter's most recent recorded sermon was a denial of Jesus, okay? Uh, yet, in, in a moment, uh, there's a sound of a rushing wind, and their intercession is, is answered as the Holy Spirit enters and falls on them like tongues of fire. And there, in that upper room, those men and women, they, they are truly by the gift of God, Ephesians 4, 7, right? By the gift of God, by the grace of God, they are equipped for the work of mission. They leave that space with, with new gifts, with new abilities, with new strategies, new programs, right? I'll, I'll use that word lightly. Um, to the amazement of all those who are gathered, they leave to a crowd who's wondering, what is this sound that we've heard? And as they walk out into the street, right, we have that, that famous line, are, are they drunk? Um, what is it that, 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 that's happening? And then, and then almost immediately, Peter comes out and just delivers a, a startlingly um, impactful, dynamic sermon of the promises of the Holy Spirit for those who would receive him. Right, that he he quotes the he quotes the the Old Testament um, that your uh, old men will dream dreams, your young men will will see visions, um, will utter prophetic prophetic words. Right, as they come into partnership with the Holy Spirit in their lives, and that's the that's the story for us today, friends. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are equipped for the work of mission in a way that we could not hope to accomplish on our own. And um, I, I've talked for too long. My friend Dominic is here. Uh, Dominic is one who, I just want to brag on him a little bit. In, in the years that I've known Dominic, first as, um, as, a, as a participant in our programs, as a camper, um, as a member of the, a couple of the various youth groups that I was connected with in Columbus, and 
seeing his passion and his drive and his hunger that he expressed for the work of mission um, was just always such an encouragement, uh, Dominic. And and to see as as Dominic entered into our two-year full-time missionary formation program, um, that hunger was just elevated with expectation. And Dom, it was, it's, it's been amazing to see you really establish a culture here in this community um, by, your, uh, by your receptivity, by your hunger that you've expressed. And you just go hard all the time. Um, you, you, never, you, you never settle uh, and you're, you are not a comfort seeking man. Um, most recently this year, if you recall, we had our, uh, team of four that spent this past summer while we were all here in Columbus, enjoying Catholic youth summer camp, they went on mission in, um, a very special sense to the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So Dom is back, um, yeah. and back for just a couple Hours more, actually. <laughs> Dom's a member also of our national team, taking the word and the work of Damascus on the road, literally, around the country throughout this year. So you guys are heading out to, is it, are you heading to Baltimore? Baltimore first. Like, in 45 minutes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Today. Uh, so thanks for joining us this morning, Dom. I, I, I was, last night I was convicted at dinner. Man, we need to... We need to strike while the iron's hot. You've been home for like a week and a half. Um, it seems like that. Maybe it's a little bit, a little longer. But uh, I, I'm excited about about your story. Why don't we've got a couple minutes left in this segment? Why don't you uh, just give us a brief kind of reminder of what you guys were doing this summer? What prompted your uh, yes to the Lord? Absolutely. Thank you, Aaron, for having me. It's a great privilege to be here. And what prompted my yes to the Lord was actually a series of dreams where the Lord spoke to me, showing me myself ministering in deserts and ministering to Muslim people. I had dreams where I would be ministering to imams and people wrapped around with turbans around their head. Um, And as well as people just giving me various prophetic words of, I see you going into the Middle East with raw authority. I see you going into the (laughs) Middle East and seeing healings. And over time, last summer, the Lord... This is when it became really real. Last summer, the Lord spoke to me and he said, next summer, you and Angelo, who's my brother, are going to go to the Middle East. Don't worry, I'm going to open up doors. And this was when COVID was still a thing. This is when borders were still closed. And it was really just like, all right, Lord, you spoke it over and over and over again. My answer is yes. And that sort of prompted us to go. And over time, the Lord gave us two more people to join us. And then we went. We arrived on May 27th, and we got back early August. Um, And while we were there, the goal was explicit evangelization. We have a heart and a desire to see Muslims come to know the living, true Amen, Jesus. Amen. And that was our heart. Egypt is a 92% Muslim nation, and it is illegal to evangelize there. And we went in knowing those risks, but when you are empowered, like you were saying, Aaron, with the heart of God and with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, Amen. you become less afraid of the consequences and more, and have a greater fear of the Lord for all those souls who do not know Him. And our hearts were just moved with love and power to just see a nation come back to the Lord and to see Muslims encounter 
the love of God. And it's not like every day we saw hundreds of Muslims giving their lives to Jesus, but Mm -hmm. we did see some really beautiful conversions and some really awesome miracles that I'm excited to share. Yeah. So we we are going to, in our second our second segment today, we're going to jump back in and we're going to hear um, a lot of that good work that, that these guys did and that the Lord did through them. Uh, I just, I want to jump in, right? Dominic, you, you made this um, statement that I think is pretty radical that the Lord spoke this in dreams to you, yes. right? <laughs> uh, that I don't think that's the common experience of, um, of many Christians today. So I just, I want to speak that over our community that uh, I, I, I identified those words from St. Peter in that first sermon after Pentecost. It's Acts chapter two, yes. verse 17. He's quoting the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Mm-hmm. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we, as Christians, we should anticipate that as the Holy Spirit is poured out on us, that we right. will that we will see in visions, that we will that we will dream dreams, that the Holy Spirit will bless us. So um, that's good. I want to I want to end this first segment just with an appeal to the Lord in prayer, uh, Lord Jesus, for those of us listening today who are not currently dreaming with you. Who are not currently um, seeing you move in their in their dreams, Jesus? Whether that is through distraction or whether that is through um, just a a mind that is um, focused on things other than you, Lord, I pray that you would break through in my mind, in the mind of our listeners, that you would break through and you would speak your truth and your presence and your power that you would take authority and direction over our lives, even and especially while we sleep. So we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back here on Beyond Damascus. Hello, Father Mitch. Yes, sir. What can we do for you? How do we know that Jesus was in his early 30s during his ministry? In Luke, he says... And Jesus was about 30 years old. So it's right there. Okay, thank you. That was easier than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. I'm Kimberly Hahn, and my new show, Beloved and Blessed, is now on EWTN Radio. Every week, I share scripture and my personal experience to speak to the desires and strengths of all women so that each of us can better live out our vocations as daughters of God. Tune in to find inspiration, hope, and strength in each episode. Don't miss Beloved and Blessed with Kimberly Hahn, tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on EWTN Radio. 
Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks again for joining us today, friends. Um, Once again, my name is Aaron Richards. I'm joined here in studio at Damascus by my friend and brother in Christ, Dominic Rivera. Dominic, Mm -hmm. welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. For those who might be joining us um, here at the start of our second segment, jump on your favorite podcast app and, man, rewind this thing to the front because uh, that first segment had some some unexpected power poured out as we kind of walked through the story of of the Holy Spirit's equipping the saints for the work of building the body of Christ that we are called to Ephesians chapter four verse seven. We are called, we are equipped as the holy ones of God to build up, to build the kingdom, to build the kingdom, to build the body of Christ here in this world. And um that's what that's what Damascus is about. That's what the Damascus story is. We, we do a lot of building here in Centerburg, Ohio. We're doing a lot of building around the country. We're doing a lot of building. Um, we're, we're, we're working our best to build um, some amazing uh, foundations in the, uh, the St. Paul, Minneapolis area in the mm-hmm. state of Minnesota right now. Um, and most importantly, we are saying yes to God in building the kingdom of God in the hearts of of a missionary movement of young adults that that maybe uh, maybe centralized and formed here, but but ultimately is everywhere. Uh, we had two hundred young adults that was here this summer who received training and formation and hands-on experience in in community in the work of evangelization, who were equipped as the saints of God for the work of building the body of Christ, and now have been sent back to their parishes around the country and. Um, as Dominic, you introed at the at the first segment of the show, you in a special way and a team of three others, mm-hmm. you guys got to share that same call, having been equipped, fed, formed here yes. at Damascus to take that not only across the country but across the world. Yes, in uh, in the work of evangelization in the Middle East this uh, this mm-hmm. summer. So, man, I just I want to hear I want to hear your stories. I want to yeah. hear I want to hear how your heart has been impacted. Um, I can see it on your face, and uh, I, w- I want us to be able to communicate that for those listening in on St. Gabriel or on their uh, on their phones, on their podcast. So um, without further ado, Dominic, give us a rundown, man. Let's, let's start. Maybe, maybe the first question could just be, um, what did the Holy Spirit do in your heart this summer? Yeah, that's such a beautiful question because the short answer is a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> But in a more personal, practical way, he really just showed me before we even saw anything super powerful happen. What he did in my heart was he showed me how much I needed him. Yeah. He showed me how, for lack of a better word, ill-equipped I was apart from Mm. him. Yes. That actually apart from him, I couldn't see or do anything that could bring God glory. Mm -hmm. But that I actually needed to rely fully on him in order to do what we were there for, in order to do the work of evangelization, in order to share the gospel. I, it was this radical self-reliance, uh, not self-reliance, dependency upon the Holy Spirit, yeah. a stripping of self-reliance, yeah. and um, coming before the Lord every day and just saying, God, I need you. God, if you don't show up, then nothing in this country is going to change. Nothing in my life is going to change if you do not come and transform. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And when, when did you begin to see a shift in that? Was that before 
you left? Was that in answering that initial call or was that truly once you got on the plane or once your feet were on the ground? I think it was honestly once I got on the ground because to be honest, the Lord has just blessed me with great insight and just with um, great grace to see transformation here in the in middle schoolers and high schoolers. And so I was going in thinking, yeah, I see breakthrough in middle schoolers and high schoolers. It's going to be the same in Egypt. Uh-huh. And it wasn't. Um, <laughs> and it took a, like, a, I would say, um, five days before, like really hit me of like, oh, wow, I need, I need more. I need to rely on him. I need to strip myself of self-reliance and self-dependence, allow his grace to pour in me. And it was about a three-week process before we really started seeing fruit. But we just went to the Lord every day, got on our faces and cried out that God would transform us so that his people would know him. That's awesome. Now, you were guided by a dream. You were guided by vision. And I know the answer to this, but I just want to make this abundantly clear to our listeners. Like, You did not go to a buddy's house in Egypt. No. (laughs) so for our listeners we didn't know anyone in egypt before we were going and we didn't make plans at hotels or we didn't make reservations at houses about where we would stay nor did you come with pockets full of cash no (laughs) um we really felt called to rely on the lord and jesus actually commands his disciples to do that in matthew 10 he says when you enter a town or a village don't take anything with you and we felt that same invitation from Jesus is when you enter into the nation of Egypt, don't have any reservations, don't make plans, don't know where you're going to stay because I will provide for you. Yeah. And he did. So what was that like day one? Day one, um, it was nice because my brother Angel got there a couple of days before, so he had to find the first <laughs> place. Um, but the first time our whole team moved uh-huh. from Cairo to Alexandria, to be honest, it was really challenging because... We didn't know where we were staying. It was 7.30 at night to Airbnb requests. Don't go through. They fall apart. And it's 7.30 at night. And the Lord speaks to me something very powerfully as um, my humanness is starting to be exposed. And as this worry and anxiety of like, God, I'm in a country where I don't know the language. I don't know the people. I don't know anyone. But I know that you called me here. So you're going to need to come through. And then he spoke to me something that I wrestled with for about two minutes. And he said, do you trust me enough to let me love you? As in, do you trust me enough to provide a place for you to stay? And I wrestled for that because I, I wanted to give him an authentic answer. And when I said, as soon as I said yes, he said, talk to the priest after mass. And I was like, okay. And he's like, and that's all the instruction he gave me. And after mass, we talked to the priest. We share with him like what we're doing. And he's like, well, where are you staying? And we're like, we don't have a place. We just rely on God to provide and we follow God and we do what he tells us to do. And he's, and the priest that the Lord talked, told me to talk to said, well, you can stay here. Yeah. And not only that, but you can stay here for free. (laughs) And it was the first time taking that step and taking that risk of like Uh obedience and seeing the Lord show up in a beautiful way. That's awesome. I love that. And I'm inspired and still slightly intimidated. That's, uh, (laughs) that's great. I think I would have just like, gone and found a little corner of sand somewhere <laughs> slept <laughs> made my sleeping bag that would have been the backup plan <laughs> that was backup plan b um uh that's awesome and i, I bet in those first couple of days that was this was just those were the moments that god was stripping away control yes, absolutely and um and instilling trust in, mm-hmm. in a powerful way 
Oh man, that's uh, that's beautiful. And there were there were four of you together. So yes. your brother Angelo, and then two of the women from our community, right. um, Elizabeth and Lorraine. And uh, those are going to be stories that you guys remember for the rest of your lives. Absolutely. Oh, so good. <laughs> and hopefully, are leading a pilgrimage of the next crew. Um, we haven't talked about next steps. Yet, but <laughs> I'm sure that God hasn't scratched that itch completely in you. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I, I want to hear. Um, I want to hear as so as you've begun to place your yes. trust in Him, as you've begun yes. to find um, strength in the sacraments and yes. in in the community in Cairo and Alexandria. Um, what what were some of the first interactions that you had with the actual work of evangelization that you had set out and intended to to tackle there? Yeah. So the first encounter that we I remember having was with the lady. Um, and this was after three days where we intentionally prayed and fasted for God to just open up doors for evangelization. Yeah. And I remember hitting the streets after this time and this lady approaches us, which is re- was really uncommon because either they would ignore us or just keep walking. Mm. And she approaches us and she just starts talking to us. And I'm with Lorraine at this time. And... The Lord gives me a word of knowledge, which is basically God just speaking to me, to my heart, about a condition in her body that he wants to heal. Wow. And he spoke to me about back pain. So I asked her, hey, do you have back pain? And she's a Muslim. And she's like, yes. And she's starting to freak out because she's like, how did you know that? I never met you. And we, she didn't let us pray for her this time. But um, it was amazing to just share with her. And we had about like an hour, hour and a half long conversation that I believe in a God who wants intimacy with us. I believe in a God who wants relationship with us. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in a God who's far off and distant. And that like they believe that I have to actually earn my salvation, but actually I have a free gift of invitation to a beautiful relationship with the living God. And he spoke to me because he wants you in that same relationship and she's never heard that before in her life. Yeah. And just to like see her wrestle with that, to see her come to terms with that was really beautiful. Hmm. That's beautiful. So, um, and that's, that's the story to tell, right? That um, we don't, we don't look with dishonor and right. You know, judgment on our, our Muslim brothers and sisters. Right. Uh, but, you know, the the great Bishop Campbell of the Diocese of Columbus, the past Bishop of the Diocese mm-hmm. of Columbus, he once spoke a, a word that I I quote liberally and um and often that the uh you know every world religion, there are thousands of different religions and sects and faiths and practices right. that are trying to find some kind of enlightenment or fulfillment or uh or some kind of understanding and and achievement of our potential and our creation and our desire seeking after the face of God. But there's only one where God has, has turned to look to us, to come after us, to seek us. Yes. Um, And that, that God is Jesus, right? Yes. Uh, And, and that story, it never gets old, right? That, you know, that's not just a cliche thing. That's an experienced reality where, where we understand that, um, that, that God seeks us individually that, and I'm sure he's 
stole that or borrowed that from some amazing saint. <laughs> or maybe maybe Bishop Campbell's going to be an amazing saint someday. That's going to yes. be his quote. Um, but that that uh, this isn't some um, this isn't some theoretical concept that we talk about. But but that's the differentiator that we have a personal God, yes. Jesus, um, who uh, who took on human flesh. Uh, so that he could be close to us, so he could get down and dirty with us to pull us out of the muck yes. to uh, to find us. Mm-hmm. Um, we see all these images in Scripture, and I think sometimes we take them for granted, thinking, all right, well, this is just like all the other faiths. And that's not true. Right. That's not true. Um, this is the only one where we see a God who expresses the the virtue of humility, who comes and who who lays his life down for us, Anywhere else in the world, any other any other practice, it's you know your value is going to be determined determined by how hard you work. Right, not here. No, and so it's so beautiful because um, that didn't lead to necessarily an immediate conversion in her life, but there were encounters with other Muslim brothers and sisters that we saw immediate transformation because of the power of God moving in really powerful ways. Yeah. Our first conversion that we saw, like I just can never forget it, and it's my favorite story to tell, and I think it just has so much specialness to me because it was the first one, and that's why we were there, and that's yeah. why God called us, uh, because the heart of God was so present in this moment. But long story short, we meet two individuals who used to practice Islam, but then were converted after powerful encounters with Jesus. One of them had a broken leg. And she had Christian friends, and her Christian friends prayed for her broken leg. The doctor said it was supposed to take two months. This was like a week and a half in. She felt a hand go into her cast. She goes back to the doctor, and it's completely healed. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, go Christian friends who are bold in their work. Um, And so she starts coming to believe in Jesus. She starts asking questions to her Christian friends and ultimately starts following Jesus. Her mom is converted in a different way, but still a beautiful way that I think for our listeners, this may be the first time you ever hear something like this happening, Um, but we do (laughs) have a context for it in our tradition. And so in the same way that Jesus appeared to St. Faustine, in the same way that Jesus appeared to St. Francis, we met people in Egypt who Jesus appeared to. And Jesus says, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And when Jesus appeared to this girl's mom, he followed her for three days. And she described him basically as he's described in Revelation Mm. with long white hair, dressed in white with eyes of fire that just pierce you with love. And he follows her around for three days. And then finally she says, fine, I'll follow you, knowing that it's Jesus. Oh my gosh. And then he leaves. I think he left to go to appear to someone else. (laughs) But... um, she starts following Jesus, and she's uh, converted from Islam to Christianity. And today, like if you were to meet her, you're just like, wow, she loves and she knows the Lord. And so and we met them at a church, and they invited us over for dinner to their grandma's house. And their grandma still doesn't know that her daughter and her granddaughter are secret Christians. Um, but they invite us over to the grandma's house. And long story short, we get to pray with the grandma at the end mm. of the night after the meal. And the grandma, before the night, had an elbow that was hurting. We pray for the elbow. Jesus heals it. 
And then immediately, this is a Muslim at this time. She says, well, can Jesus heal my shoulder? Because she, she just experienced the healing power of Jesus in, in her, her elbow. elbow. <laughs> and she immediately asked, can Jesus heal my shoulder? And we respond, of course he can. We pray for her shoulder. The shoulder gets completely healed. Oh, yeah. And she's <laughs> immediately open to the gospel. We ask wow. her, have you ever heard of Jesus? Like, have you ever heard the gospel of Jesus? And she says, no, I've always wanted to. We share with her the salvation history. We share with her what Jesus did, how he came, how he died, how he rose again. And then we invited her to surrender um, her life to Jesus and invite him into her heart. And she did, and she mm. surrendered her life. She invited Jesus into her heart. And then we just didn't stop there because in order to live this thing out, we need the Holy Spirit. We can't live it out on our own. And so we invited her to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to open up her heart so that the Holy Spirit could come and fill her. And it was so beautiful because her two, her daughter and her granddaughter are there interceding behind her, and they're just weeping because their grandma and their mother's coming to the Lord. And the grandmother's just being overwhelmed with the love of God. And we start to pray for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And she just starts weeping because she's encountering Jesus' love for the very first time. Wow. And... Just a beautiful moment. Like, yes. it's hard to put it into words, but something I'll just <laughs> never forget. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Yes, God. Um, we praise God for that, for that beautiful victory as he came into the heart of that family. And, um, man, I'm even, uh, I'm even convicted. You know, so many of our listeners, even members of our own staff here at Damascus, have had these dramatic moments of, um, conversion of encounter with Jesus, yet still have family members who their hearts break for, right. who have not yet encountered the transforming power of relationship with the Lord. And how good it is, even for this radical um, couple of new Christians in Egypt who were committed to the work of evangelization, that God sent them friends, you, yes, uh, to 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 partner with them in speaking that word, and uh, I just I want to pray um, yes. in faith that Jesus, for those of us who struggle, for those of us who have families for whom our hearts break, we know that we are called to be that witness to them. We know that we are called individually to speak the word of truth to our uh, to our grandmas, to our moms, to our dads, to our brothers and sisters. Um, Jesus, convict us with greater courage. God, convict us yes. with a greater grace, a greater call in our life. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would send us back up. Um, send us back up like yes, you sir. sent this family, uh, Jesus, the backup of, of our Damascus team. And I pray that you, would, uh, that you would open doors, that people would be able to come in that maybe have a different type of authority to speak into the lives of the ones that we love, uh, like, we, like we saw here. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. Amen. Um, man, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's great. Okay, Dom, we have, we have time for maybe one more, uh, one more story before a quick break. Okay. Uh, anything else that comes to mind of, of something you want to share about? Yes. Um, there's two that are on my heart. Holy Spirit, help me decide. <laughs> All right. Um, this one is really beautiful. Yeah. They're both beautiful, but this is the one I feel called to share. We ended up meeting Christians, Orthodox Christians in Cairo. And they're called like the Zebulun people. And basically these Zebulun people are so beautiful, but they work in garbage. They collect all the trash for the city of Cairo, which 
before going, I didn't know it was the sixth largest city in the entire world. So it's I a huge city. I had no idea about that. That's Huge awesome. city. And so they collect all the trash for it. And we felt like the Lord was inviting us to just serve alongside them. And so we go one day and we just ask, hey, can we help you guys? Because Jesus goes to the least. And we felt like we were called to do the same. And we go and the Lord actually directs us to a family. And this family had another grandmother who was bedbound. Um, she couldn't walk. She could only move around in a wheelchair. And after three days of spending time with his family, working with them in the garbage, sorting trash, all these different things, um, they invite us into their home. And we just share with them, like, hey, we've seen people healed before. Mm. We've seen the power of God come. But not only that we've seen it, but Jesus Jesus saw it and everything that Jesus saw, we are commissioned and invited into because he says in John fourteen twelve, the works that I do, you will do the same works and greater things than these. And we see how Jesus would speak to the paralyzed man and say, get up and walk. And this woman couldn't walk. And we, we know that we're invited into that mission of Jesus. And so we share that with them. And they're so open. They let us pray. And we lay our hands because Jesus says in Mark chapter 16, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we lay our hands on this grandma who couldn't walk and the power of God falls on her and her legs start to shake Mm. as they start to be strengthened. And like she's, it was so beautiful because it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. And as we're praying for her and as she noticed herself getting healed, she starts repenting. She starts saying, God, I'm sorry. I want to be close to you again. And she repents and then we invite her to take to activate the faith and to walk. And she gets out of bed and she starts walking back and forth uh. from her house. And it was so beautiful because not only did God make the lame walk, but her family's like recording it on their phones. And they yes. immediately, as they see their grandmother and their mother walking, they immediately start calling other family members and start to testify and tar- start to share what God's doing. And it was so cool. I've never seen this happen before where one person is healed and then the family members of that person who's healed bring others. And th- by the end of the <laughs> afternoon, they brought like eight people who were sick and who needed healing and we got to pray for them oh because of goodness. the one miracle yes. and the one testimony of their mom who couldn't walk, but then Jesus healed her and she could walk. So praise the Lord. That was just so cool to just see what can happen when the lord moves in beauty yeah oh man praise god goodness i um i'm, I'm getting the sense dominic that there's just such a hunger and i i wonder i wonder how much of this is true but this is my this is my sense that yeah. um you know we say that we have a diverse culture here in the united states but the reality is many of us uh, catholics coming from a catholic background many of us even um you know, non-Catholics are the, the the majority religion here in this country is still Christianity, right? right? And I think, in to some extent, it, it feels like maybe we've been inoculated to the power mm-hmm. of what can happen when God moves. Yes. Um, I remember I've probably shared it here on the show before, but my first experience of of healing of the healing power of God in the Christian faith was a Dateline special that I saw when I was 12 years old mm. of some church that had faked healing mm-hmm. and that had been exposed and debunked. Yes. And um, so 
Therefore, when I experience the power of God manifest and move through healing signs and wonders for the first time, yeah. I was suspect, right? right. Uh, why? Because because my worldview had been tainted by this perspective of of the counterfeit, right? And um, you know, maybe those are better off who who don't experience the counterfeit but experience nothing, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or at least more receptive. God, give right. us give us hearts that give us hearts that we would uh, that we would be receptive to your your authentic power on display, your authentic presence on display, that we would that we would hunger for you, that we would see you. And when you show up, God, that none of the pride that we have would get in the way. Yes, God. That none of our past experience would would prevent us from being able to see you move in power, that we'd have the faith of these non-Christian Muslim families who who Jesus, when when they see you move in power, they know they're seeing something real. Yes, God. They know they're seeing something new. We've got to take a quick break, uh, and <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be right back. Um, thank you for joining us on Beyond Damascus, where encounter meets mission. We're going to wrap up today's show. We're going to pray and intercede for you um, after this short break. This is Bob Grompy, General Manager of Divine Mercy Radio in Melbourne, Florida. Catholic Radio has been providing Catholics and others solid ground in these particularly troubling times with news including threats to our culture, situational on-air counseling, apologetics for Catholics and others, and biblical teaching for growth and holiness. Catholic Radio is not just radio, it's radio that makes a difference. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. EWTN uses the power of radio to reach people whenever and wherever they're searching for answers to questions about their Catholic faith. EWTN radio is heard on over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio affiliates. For a complete list of programs and how to hear EWTN radio, visit EWTN.com and click radio. EWTN, the global Catholic network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks for joining us today. This is the start of this third segment. Um, if if you're once again, if you're tuning in on a podcast or even on the radio, um, starting here for for some reason, gosh, do yourself a favor and rewind this thing. Um, download the podcast and share it with your with your friends. We're talking to Dominic Rivera, um, witnessing to the amazing power that God displayed this summer in in a mission trip to Egypt. And um, I want to wrap up with just a little a, a little invitation for us. So mm-hmm. we talked about Pentecost earlier when the disciples, when the apostles gathered in the upper room and they were equipped for mission. And one of my favorite things in Scripture, it happens not in the story of Pentecost, but actually two chapters later in, in Acts chapter 4, when the apostles are doing amazing work. They're baptizing literally thousands of people, right? We just talked about this, this dynamic that when you come to faith— um, from a place of emptiness, from a place of desperation, that the message of the gospel, it takes root in a really unique and practical and deep way. And here in Acts chapter 4, the apostles have been successful and persecuted. And um, they've, they've received this command from 
the civil authorities not to speak the name of Jesus any longer. And, um, and they come to the Lord with this honest appeal that he would again show up, that he would again come and speak and move in power. And what happens? The room where they're praying again begins to shake. Yes. And the Holy Spirit again comes and falls and fills them up and equips them for the works, yes. the demonstration of the gospel, the demonstration of, um, of miracles, signs, and wonders. Um, they essentially, you know, we see, we see Pentecost happen again. There's a second outpouring of the Holy Spirit just two chapters later. What happened? Did they run out? Did, did, did the Holy <laughs> Spirit that filled them, you know, seep out of the, of the cracks? I think, and this is what I posed to our, to our team last night. I think what we see here in Acts chapter four is actually that we are given a measure of the Holy Spirit yes. That is, uh, I don't know, this might be a little too, too, too practical and logistical for us, right? We're given a measure of the Holy Spirit that fills us to our capacity. That measure is given so that we can go out and do the work of mission. Yes. When we do it, our capacity is stretched. Yes. And that hunger is, is again, um, uh, bubbles, it bubbles up in us that when we activate the gifts that the Holy Spirit's poured out on us, when we activate the grace that the Holy Spirit's poured into our life, it's then that that hunger begins to show itself again. And I know that, um, you know, once again, this isn't necessarily a theological teaching, but I know that what satisfied me yesterday doesn't satisfy me today, not because it's leaked out, but because my capacity for God's power has increased by virtue of the yes that I've given. The apostles learned what it was like in those two chapters to pour themselves out on mission. And they realized even as the Avengers walking out of that upper room, right? Speaking in tongues, um, uh, preaching with new power, with new courage, even that transformation, that equipping that they received at Pentecost, um, that God had more. Yes. That God had more for them, right? That when they activated it, they realized just how reliant on him I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see it in your face, Dominic. Uh, and I know that you witnessed that, that yes, the, the power of God that you experienced on display in Egypt um, was incredible, was life-changing, and has revealed in you one more time just how reliant on him you are. Yeah. Um, and you've come back not only excited and joyful, but also hungry. Yes. Um, hungrier than I, I think I've ever seen. It's a little intimidating, uh, but, but I, I want to I, I ask you, Dom, to kick off today as we close the show. Yeah. Um, we've got just four minutes left, but I, I'd like for you to maybe take a minute or two and just pray and intercede that what God did yeah. in you, he would do in, in us. Amen. Amen. So Holy Spirit, we're not going to waste any time. We love you and we thank you. Yeah. We thank you for being in any, every individual's room, home, car, office, and building. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that the grace that you've given me, that you would release it upon all our listeners as they hear, that they would come Mm. to know your tangible, beautiful presence. I just feel like some of you are going to start feeling like a heat in your heart. And the Lord is saying that he's setting your heart on fire for the salvation of souls, that you're going to start caring about people that you've never cared about before, that he's going to pour his love into your hearts in an even greater way so that you're moved to compassion, so you're moved 
to movement, so you move to action. And I just pray right now for every listener who desires to be used as a vessel for the grace of God to bring about conversion and to be used for the work of evangelization, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you now in the name of Jesus mm. and baptize oh, you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet with the <laughs> fire and the power of God. Jesus says, I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I'm constrained until it is accomplished. I pray that every listener, I speak to you now, and I just pray that you're filled to overflowing with the love, the love and the power of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. I I see the, I see the Lord Jesus wrapping like, like when you treasure a little ember in a fire and you fan it into flame, right? He's wrapping his hands around your heart right now. And he's just tenderly blowing on that, on that tiny spark in you. And I, 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 I affirm that sense that Dominic shared that, um, I believe there are listeners right now, as you hear this, I want to I ask you just to um, allow yourself to be sensitive to, to a heat that you feel in the, in the middle of your chest as the Lord Jesus blows on those embers that he's placed in you. God, let it radiate through our bodies. Let it radiate through our heart as a sign of the work that you still intend to do yes, in us. God. Um, God, those of us who've been in this fight for a long time and those of us who might be in it for the first time, maybe there's somebody who's listening to today's show who's, who's never even entered into relationship with you, Lord, but who's curious. We pray wherever we are, Lord, in this journey, that you would draw us close to you, that you would invite us again to put our faith in you, that we'd pray, Lord Jesus, I give you my life yes. for the rest of my life. Equip me, God for the work of mission. Equip me, God, to do those works that you do, to do greater works than those. Because you walk in humility and you stand behind the ones that you love. Thank you, Jesus, for the work that you've done through uh, our missionary team in Egypt. Thank you, God, for the work that you're doing through the missionaries here at Damascus yes, and those God. missionaries all over the world. Yes, Every one of us is called to a life of full-time mission, regardless of in what um, sphere of influence we serve. Uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would never let us um, rest on our laurels, but that you would keep us hungry. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dominic, thank you for joining us today, brother. Oh, it was a great joy. <laughs> yeah, you're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Once again, a big thanks to our partners at St. Mm-hmm. Gabriel Radio and EWTN. Thank you for carrying this podcast on the radio waves for hundreds, for thousands to be able to hear and remember. And uh, we want to invite you, if you were moved by today's message, and I don't see how you could not have been, goodness, what a, what a powerful uh, message, to download the podcast wherever podcasts can be found, Beyond Damascus, and we will see you again next time. God bless you.